Mom, Dad, you should shop Amazon for back to school and save some money. See, I'm currently obsessed with superheroes and need all the superhero stuff. Superhero lunchbox, superhero backpack. But next year, it'll be something else. Maybe dinosaurs? I don't know. I'm not a fortune teller. But I can tell you not to spend a fortune and shop low prices for school on Amazon. Okay, good chat. Amazon, spend less, smile more. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Commercial may lag behind residential, but it also leads business brokerage, right? So it's interesting to see what's going on in that commercial real estate sector and how it's going to affect business sales now and in the future. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Welcome back, everybody. And we have one of our recurring episodes today. So if you remember in the past, we featured some of our commercial real estate partners on the deal board. And today we're going to do the same. So we talk a lot about selling businesses, but oftentimes if you own a business or you're buying a business, there's real estate involved as well. So we're going to get an update today from two of our best real estate partners, Phil Kubot on our team in Colorado and Texas is going to give an idea of what's going on in the marketplace in the Midwest and out in the Rocky Mountains. And then Andy, you interview uh, someone from your team as well. Yes, Alan Kay. He does a great job. It's always great talking to Alan. And Alan has his finger on the pulse down here. We've done a ton of commercial uh, deals with him. And like you said, it's not just commercial real estate. It affects every single deal we go into because usually 99% of the time there's a lease involved. Uh, you know, we do have some businesses that are virtual and are at home, but most of the time, uh, there is a piece of commercial real estate. There's provisions to watch out for. And the whole economy has changed in the last six months as far as interest rates are concerned, as far as leases and landlords and their willingness to make deals. It's, as Alan says, it's certainly a transition time. And he feels it's going to it kind of settle out by the end of the year. But this is a great episode to listen to. Uh, because there are opportunities out there. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunities. And I know Phil talks a lot about sometimes that commercial may lag behind residential, but it also leads business brokerage, right? So it's interesting to see what's going on in that commercial real estate sector and how it's going to affect business sales now and in the future. Um, but just really interesting macroeconomic issues that have boiled down to this commercial real estate market. And like you said, Andy, it's there's real estate in every component, even though, you know, Alan and Phil are really focused on our teams on the, the sales side, but the leases, 99% of the businesses still have them. So we hope this episode um, is super valuable to you. If you are interested, we we have Phil and Alan on them at least twice a year. So we've got a couple episodes that we'll link to in the show notes um, in the past too, if you're interested in hearing their perspective from last year and the previous. Yeah, it's really interesting because it was one of our first episodes. I think we talked about commercial as well. So we've been doing this ongoing and I think it's something we need to keep our finger on. And it's certainly, like you said, a macroeconomic uh, conversation to talk about interest rates, talk about real estate, talk about leverage. So this is a good one. Let's get to it. 
Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Welcome back to the deal board. And again, today we're talking about commercial real estate. So we don't talk about a lot, a lot about this, but we also have a commercial real estate division. And I have um, our managing director out of our Colorado and Texas offices, uh, Phil Kubot with us. Phil, welcome back to the show. This is your, you know, you've been here quite a few times before. Yeah, you guys keep asking me back. So I must be doing something right, Jess. Thanks. Always, <laughs> always. Well, hey, we always love your insights. And, and today, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about some national trends that you're seeing. So let's start first with the commercial office market. What's going on in that area, in that sector? Yeah, well, you know, backing into that, you know, all three of those markets are adjusting and it feels like the brokerage community is holding their breath right now to see what happens with pricing trends. We're in what feels like the middle of a cycle right now, which I'll explain a little bit later. And the office market, in my opinion, continues to stumble and struggle a little bit. Um, in, In the United States, across the office market, it's kind of like the state of apprehension that I'm seeing out there with a focus on net absorption, which was negative in 2022 for the third consecutive year. And now vacancy is well, like 300 basis points higher than it was in 2020. Mm-hmm. So the forecast isn't any brighter in the office market as there's calls for obviously mob recession is a word we're hearing a lot uh, for later this year. And that could lead to more negative absorption, further vacancy increases. Uh, as the three-year anniversary of COVID approaches, if you can believe that, uh, these stats have become a persistent negative demand shock on that segment. So, uh, look, office using employment declined by roughly 2.5 million jobs, resulting in millions of square feet of negative abs- net absorption. So, um, and that, that doesn't even mention the fact that there's a lot of inventory available, and we're watching the sublease market has more than doubled since 2019. So, space is being given back to a lot of these uh, institutional folks. And then finally, the Federal Reserve's aggressive policy of interest rate hikes in response to inflation, that's frozen the capital markets a little bit. It's slowed business investment a little bit. It's led to some layoffs, delayed leasing activity uh, for other other businesses as they're waiting to see what happens with this recession. So leasing activities trailed off, as did investment sale volume the last three quarters, uh, if not longer. So Higher financing costs, weak fundamentals, financing risk, they all add to the prospect of a pricing reset. So there is capital to invest in real estate and it's abundant, but I think a lot of people are waiting to see if there's going to be a repricing in the office market. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, like, it's it's interesting in office, like, it's funny, we'll get into the other segments in a minute. Like, I think people would thought maybe at first, like retail would take the biggest hits and stuff like that, but office has few strikes going against it, right? You know, there was COVID when people didn't want to be in an office environment. What ended up happening is all of those white collar um, in, institutions, white collar companies figured out how to work either remotely, hybrid, in less space, less days a week, and really reduce their overhead costs um, primarily through rent. So we've got that going on. We've got a lot of the layoffs primarily in the same white collar professional spaces. Um, so it's, it's, it's really, I can see it's a challenging market, but, and we know this personally, cause we're, we're shopping for some professional office buildings right now. Prices aren't going down, right? Yep. 
Yeah. That, that's exactly right. Yeah. And that's where people are waiting for the other shoe to fall, right? Um, all these things that you just described are caught, putting pressure on that market, but it just hasn't caught up yet. And when I talked about we're kind of in this like gap period of apprehension as brokers, it's because we're waiting to see what happens with pricing and valuations. You know, market rates, they're going to affect cap rates eventually. It's just we're waiting. We're kind of in that window right now where we don't we don't know how bad it's going to be or if it's just going to skip right through. And then, look, obviously, I'm talking at a national level. But as you drill deeper down into some markets, every submarket's different. And I really like the way that Transworld set up here in the Dallas market and in the Colorado Denver market. Um, you know, our, our dips don't seem to be as bad as some of the other areas of the country. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's move to the next segment. Maybe we have some more positive things to talk about in retail, maybe. Yeah, we do. Okay. Uh, retail, retail makes me smile. Um, it's been a big surprise the last few quarters. Uh, retail, retail obviously saw a bump from a resilient consumer. Uh, they keep spending. Uh, and then retail tenants, they just shrugged off the concerns surrounding inflation, rising interest rates, and a potential recession because they're in expansion mode. Uh, people were going out, they're digging out their uh, credit cards, and they're spending on restaurants. They're spending on services. Um, so we're seeing a really good uh, fundamental tightening there. So um, rising retail sales pushed retail rents upward at their fastest clip in over a decade at 4.1%, with average triple net asking rents finishing their year at a record high wow. across the country of $24 a square foot triple net. So you know, retail has been a really big surprise. And as brokers, we can feel that when we're out there uh, working with our tenant base, trying to help them find spaces, there's a lot, there's less concessions being offered. Um, there's, there's obviously they're holding the line on pricing. Uh, and so it's making it a little bit tougher on the negotiation side as a tenant, but people are coming in and spending money. So that's great. And it's great indications for the mom and pop small businesses for discretionary income. That, that's great to hear. I'm assuming like another positive aspect we can talk about in the market, just because it has been for the last few years, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, is industrial. Yeah, it, that's actually, it's it's funny that you would say that I've been, I've been, it, it's been kind of like our, uh, our golden nugget, if you will, for a long time in the industrial market. But surprisingly, the industrial market isn't as strong as it once was. Mm. Uh, yeah, the national industrial market performance is downshifting heading into 2023, while the national vacancy rate is expected to remain well below its long-term average. And again, it's even with a shift, it's still performing at some of its best levels of all time. But the next six to 12 months could still prove to be one of the more challenging periods. One encouraging sign is that industrial tenant demand still remains extremely strong, even as recession signals have emerged in the broader economy. So you know, new supplies on the way. Uh, CoStar is tracking 87 different markets across the country, and they've got 660 million square feet under construction. So that's going to flood the market with a lot of inventory. And going back to what we were talking about, that net absorption is going to drop because there's more space coming online than mm. the market's getting up at this point. So we're expecting capital market disruptions on these new construction starts. Um, you know, but th but that's it. Like once that 660 million is done. There's no new projects really coming in now. Like everybody's kind of waiting to kind of see what's going to happen. Um, and, and a lot of these investors, these newly delivered projects, they're watching to see if it's going to dip below replacement costs. So yeah, it's kind of a wild time. Once you start uh, tinkering with those rates, it just turns everything around and shakes it up a little bit. Yeah. It sounds like your days are not boring, Phil, right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, never, never a dull moment in this market. That's for yeah. sure. So what are some other things that we should be uh, looking out for that you're seeing in the commercial marketplace? 
So I, I, you know, look, it kind of leans into our core values. I think as a broker, it's really important that we manage expectations with our clients. Um, you know, projects that we priced, you know, two, three, four months ago may not be holding the same value as they are now. And so it's really good to have those conversations. Make sure you're over communicating with your client base. Uh, talk to your accountants and CPAs um, and just realize that, you know, the market is shifting. You know, one of the things I hear a lot from other brokers is that if you're looking to sell your building, it's like a melting ice cube right now. And so get it on the market. Don't wait and see. Um, you know, it's if you're ready to do an exit, now is the time. Mm-hmm. Which actually ties into my last question for you, Phil, is what advice do you have for real estate, commercial real estate sellers and commercial real estate buyers? I think I just heard if, if you want to sell, like sell now, right? I like the melting ice cube metaphor. Yeah. I mean, it just holds true. You know, values are shifting. And so, yeah, I would say um, just make sure that you have a really great broker, like a broker on our team here at Transworld, um, you know, get a proper valuation done. Look at this from other angles. Um, and like I said, don't hesitate to get get your assets on the market. All right. What about on the buy side? So the buy side is going to be interesting, you know, um, being a buyer in the in the market has been actually really a tough, it's been a tough scenario. Um, inventory was at an all-time low, pricing was at an all-time high in most markets across the country. And now we're going to see that break loose a little bit with these vacancy rates going up. I think there's going to be more opportunity and a little bit more competition, um, you know, uh, I'm sorry, a little less competition. And so, um, you know, be, be aggressive still as a buyer in the market. Um, but you might be able to nibble a little bit more at the terms on the deal versus the price, but just know that you're buying at a great time. If you're able to you know, transact on a building, you're going to be there for five to 10 years. I think the long, the long haul for a buyer, it's a great time to be in the market. Awesome. Well, Phil, it's always great having you on the show. I love the insights that you share with us. If someone that is listening to the show would like to reach out and work with you either on the buy or sell side for a commercial real estate project, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, that's great. Thanks. Well, my cell phone is out there for everyone. My number is 303-981-1936. I'm one of those brokers that answers the phone, I promise. And um, you can always email me if you're more comfortable with that at phil at transworldcre.com. Awesome. And we'll drop that into the show notes. Phil, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to having you back soon. All right, Jess. Thanks a lot for having me. It was fun. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Welcome, everybody. And for our deal of the week, I'm very excited to bring you one of my team members, Scott Goral, from our Dallas-Fort Worth Central office. uh, Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations on closing an awesome deal. Um, Really excited to hear you uh, share the story about this one today, but congrats. Thank you. Thank you very much. So tell us a little bit about the business that you sold. Uh, the business that I sold was a uh, deer corn manufacturing business. Um, the deer corn is used by hunters to feed the deer all year long with some hunters and then during busy season. And they started in 2015. They were farmers and they had a uh, crop get flooded out. Mm. So they had time on their hands and they just started this business from scratch. Um, ended up about $4 million in revenue, around 500000 in SDE. 
Okay. Good business. Interesting story. Interesting industry. I'm glad you explained it because I think those of us not in uh, the Midwest and Texas probably would not know uh, what, what a deer corn manufacturer is. So really interesting, specific deal. So where did the buyer come from? How did you find a buyer for that business? Uh, The buyer came from Biz by Sell and uh, it's two individuals that are uh, entrepreneurs. They own several different businesses, a couple large businesses, and they just came across the deal on Biz by Sell and reached out. They really liked the numbers. They liked how unique it was, and it fit well into their portfolio. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about any learning lessons from the deal that you think are important for our listeners to hear about, especially if they have a really specific niche business like that one. Lesson learned. um, Partnerships are tough to deal with when it's an even split among three partners. So that made it very interesting getting everybody on board. As far as the plus side of the business books were super, super clean. The SDE was super clean. So that really helped uh, with the buyer's due diligence. Yeah. Always very important. I'm glad that you brought up partnerships though, too, because I think, you know, that, that human, that personality dynamics that always that goes into business deals too. It's not just about the numbers. So, right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, Scott, congrats again on bringing a great deal together, super niche business. If we have listeners out there that are looking to buy or sell a business in the Dallas area, how can they reach out to you? Uh, They can reach me, Scott Gorrell at sgorrell, that's G-O-R-R-I-L-L at tworld.com or directly on my phone at 940-230-1280. Awesome. And we'll drop all that contact information into our show notes for our listeners too. So you can just swipe up and find the notes in there. Scott, thanks so much for coming on the deal board and we hope to have you back again soon. Thanks, Jess. Welcome back everybody. And we are doing a commercial real estate update and it is, we're into 2023, almost a quarter into 2023. And by the time you hear this, we'll be a quarter into 2023. And uh, the world has changed. And so we have brought back my partner, Alan Kay, from Transworld Business Advisors and our commercial division, uh, Transworld Business Advisors Commercial. And, uh, and Alan, you know, things have changed so much since last year. The last time we spoke, we needed to bring you back and bring everybody up to date. What's going on? It was the best of times. It was the worst <laughs> of times. In many ways, things have changed. Real estate still remains fundamentally sound. But even this morning, uh, the, the Fed Reserve chairman said that he's going to increase rates and inflation is not cooling as fast as they had hoped. And these interest rates really take a dramatic effect on the value of commercial real estate, the increase in re- interest rates. So it's a, it's a very challenging time and will be probably for the next two, maybe three quarters. Yeah, I, I I think so too. I mean, I I was not happy to see the Fed wanting to continue uh, to raise interest rates um, more than they thought they would have to. Uh, obviously, inflation is still taking hold. Uh, you know, we're down here in Florida, and we continue to see growth in many different sectors. People buying businesses all the time. But let's talk about some of the effect of those high interest rates. Obviously. It's cooled things off on some levels, but on other levels, things seem to be rolling along still. 
there's still a lot of activity. Florida is very different than a lot of the rest of the country. Um, within 2022, we had almost 319,000 people move to the state of Florida. Mm. That's 100, we're number one in the country, and that's 100,000 people above our nearest competitor, which is the state of Texas. So there's still a tremendous amount of activity. There are people chasing deals. You have to be very selective as to product type. You have to be very selective within that product type. But in South Florida, we're in a redevelopment phase. So there's very little land available. And the idea is how do you take existing land and get it to the highest and best use and make the most of it? Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what some of the big players are doing out there. Obviously, when private equity is investing and banks are looking at loans, the higher interest rates are making them change their models. And we see some commercial developers kind of taking a step back now. Uh, is that what you're seeing? I mean, there's a lag to the industry, right? There's absolutely um, uh, a correction period uh, because traditionally uh, commercial real estate followed residential real estate by a year to 18 months. Now, the residential market in South Florida is still hot, uh, but there's less inventory on the market. So it has only had a minimal effect on pricing. And we still have so many people moving here. And to put it in perspective, the interest rates that are higher today still are traditionally, historically low for, for what you're getting. But what we found developers, what they're doing is they're putting projects on hold. They're only buying projects now that are entitled because of the supply chain issues, because it's tough to get employees, because its uh, materials are higher, and because of higher interest rates, they're looking really to put things off until things turn. And things will turn. It's just a question of when. Yeah, and we were, talk we were talking offline about this a little bit, and I think it's true. Let's talk about some of the sectors, and let's talk about the office world. Uh, you know, the office world is still trying to figure out whether or not their employees are coming back. I think they are. We see it here at Transworld. Uh, people seem to be filtering in more, getting more comfortable coming back to the office, or at least uh, their spouses or whoever is kicking them out of the house. Uh, but we're seeing that people realize that they need to do more collaboration. Business is busy. So uh, they're coming back, and we see some other companies wanting their people to come back. So what's happening in the office market? Well, for instance, at Transworld, we have our sales meetings every Thursday. So it's great on a Thursday because you, we're getting more and more people in. So you have that synergy that business needs where people strategize together. They work together. They talk about deals. They talk about things that are that are ongoing. So that's a positive. But you're 100% right, Andy. Office um, tenants do not know how many people will come back to work and when they will come back to work. And will they be part-time? You just saw recently Google pushed uh, their employees to come back, and some of the employees, they want to share desks. Google wants to cut $500 million from their office budget. What we see here in South Florida is the we've got two office sectors. The smaller offices are doing exceptionally well, especially suburban office, where you don't have a lobby and you go right into your into your office. Those are doing very well, high demand. And the high end of the market, the luxury market, is doing well. It's the area in the middle where people don't know how much space they will actually need because they don't know how many employees they will have and who will come in and on what kind of basis. Yeah, I mean, we, we looked around like 
to your point, we looked around maybe downsizing here at Transworld, but really it didn't make sense. I mean, it, the, the prices for those small to medium sized uh, offices are, were going up. Uh, it, uh, you know, the cost of moving, the cost of doing things like that just didn't seem to pay back for us. And I think there's still a demand for the small to medium-sized office space. There's still a huge demand. And when you look at, at the, the moving, you have to look not only at the cost of moving, you have to look at the downtime, you have to look at redoing all of your um, letterhead, stationary, internet, everything, and how long it will take people to adjust to the new address. So there's uh, many factors to be considered. That's why people are not moving as much. Uh, I mentioned to you recently that I placed a tenant in industrial space at $13 a foot, and now they want $23 a foot for that same space. Wow. Now, we're hopefully going to get a little bit of a reduction. Then what the arguments that I've made are to the to landlord are, you know, number one, you're going to could have some vacancy at this higher rate. Number two, if the tenant leaves and I put them someplace else, you're going to have tenant improvements. You're going to have concession. You're going to have free rent. You're going to have downtime, and you're going to have a brokerage fee. How long will that take you to absorb that amount of money to justify the increase that you're looking for? Yeah, and we're and and just to flip not only into office, but that applies to the re retail world too. You know, we we sell a lot of businesses where they have retail space, and we're seeing the landlords not really being so accommodating yet. I mean, you know, we talked about that we lag a little bit, but uh, retail space seems to be getting uh, still filled on some levels. Retail has also gone into two markets, the local strip centers, the pizza parlor, the hair salon, the dry cleaners. Those have come back faster than anyone could have ever anticipated. The only thing that's holding those back is what you hear in every sector today, that they can't find employees. Yep. You can't find people who want to want to work. You find it in restaurants, you find it in construction, you find it everywhere. But that sector has come back very, very strong. There's tremendous demand for that sector. Investors love that sector because you've got six, eight, 10, 20 tenants. So if you lose one tenant, it's not a big deal. Whereas right. if you've got a tenant who's taking, you know, 60 80 percent of the space and you lose that tenant you're in big trouble right as opposed to the other side of the retail which is the big box that is still hurting to a certain extent and what's happened with the big box retail and with office is they are looking for alternate uses so what's become very popular and what you will continue to see is office large retail retail could be converted to a school a charter school something like that Office will be converted to residential or mixed use with retail and, and residential together. And we're going to see that because I don't think moving forward that we're going to need as much office space as we have. And there's little or no office space being planned to be redeveloped. It will happen eventually, but there's a minimal amount of space being planned right now. Well, we've seen breaks like this in the past where office space was out of fashion for a long time. Uh, especially down here in the north side of Fort Lauderdale, uh, they didn't build a lot of office space for a very long time. And then finally it got to the point where, uh, you know, it made sense uh, for these developers to start doing it again. So I think everything goes in cycles. You know, I think one of the things we learned about cycles is, you know, in any cycle, there's opportunity, right? Tremendous amount of opportunity. But, but people should realize 
This is not, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010. We have much stronger fundamentals. The banks were much more careful. There were very few of those no-doc loans. So things are solid. They're strong. It's just that there's a difference that you can uh, return that you can get when you're paying six, seven, eight, nine percent for financing as opposed to four or five. So it's tougher to finance, obviously. There, you know, and and we we talk about tougher. We were laughing. Uh, we spoke earlier about interest rates, and we're laughing that you know the interest rates on some of your deals are running in the six, seven, you know, and the SBA loans are up around ten these days. But still, overall, historically, that's not bad money out there. Not at all. And the beauty is, you can refinance that debt. So even if you get, you know, ten percent. You can refinance it. The beauty of the SBA financing is that you're getting into a business or real estate and a business with 10% down. Right. It's incredible it's leverage. phenomenal. Yeah. Unbelievable leverage. And if the rate is a little bit higher, it's a cost of doing business for a year or two until things stabilize. I do believe that things will stabilize, whether it's the last quarter, whether it's of this of 23, whether it's the beginning of 24, things will stabilize. Maybe we won't see 4% again. But we'll see 5%. And that could you know, make a difference. And then you could see a little bit of a lower rate on SBA as well. Yeah, I, I, I think we got spoiled, right? The, the interest rates were just artificially low. Uh, and SBA loans at 4 and 5% were, is just not sustainable out there in the world. I think uh, for a lot of times, you know, and I've talked about this before, interest rates being so low actually hurt our business that people didn't want to retire because people are looking for safe investments for their money and not being able to put their 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 money into some sort of interest bearing or bonds or something like that where they can make a decent return uh, other than throwing it in the stock market is actually, I think, stopped some of the baby boomers from retiring and held people back from selling. Well, there's no question because they they had a certain expectancy of what their uh, account would be worth when they retired. And now that is not the case with the stock market being hit consistently over the last few months. Yeah. So so I think interest rates hovering around six to eight to nine percent for the SBA loans, around six for maybe the, the commercial loans or traditional loans is probably healthy for the economy in the long, long run. So. Right. What's going to happen is that will become the new normal. Maybe it'll be a little bit less, but real estate is a phenomenal investment. And if you look at traditionally the people that have made money historically in our country, most of it has been with real estate investment because real estate is unique. The only negative you can say is that it's not liquid. But other than that, you never know what's going to happen. You don't know if there's going to be a new development. You don't know what the highest and best use will be. There could be a strip center today that has 20,000 square feet that really should have 40,000 square feet. So it has tremendous upside. I think it's a phenomenal time to acquire, not just because this is how I make my living, but you look at trends and you see every time historically there's been a dip, the smart investors have been the one to scoop up the, the real estate. And then later on, you know, people realize that they were ahead of the curve. What happened in 2009, 2010, 2011, all of those people that bought real estate at that time made a tremendous return. Yeah, we all wish we had the Wayback Machine where we could go back in time and, and buy certain pieces of property 
along the way. But let's talk about, you know, people wanting to get into business or buy an existing business and they have to go start negotiating with landlords. Uh, you know, what's that like right now? And, you know, what are the opportunities out there? It's challenging. And you have to know which landlord you're dealing with. If you're dealing with what we refer to as a mom and pop, you have a better chance because they understand some landlords are reasonable and understand that they're better off keeping a tenant uh, because they save all of those costs that I mentioned to you before, the tenant improvements, the vacancy, the concession, and the brokerage fees. Uh, others you know, get caught up with the fact that, no, I may sell my building, so I need to show a higher rent. The way around that is if, if you come across a landlord like that, so you agree to pay the higher rent, but maybe you get more concession, more free rent. So it actually lowers your cost over time, but the landlord accomplishes his goal of keeping his, his rent high. You have to be aggressive. You have to be knowledgeable. You should have a good advisor. Whether you're buying a business or buying commercial real estate, you need someone who knows the market, knows the industry, who will help you, who will guide you. Don't get caught up with, I'm paying a fee. I always tell clients, don't think of what you're paying me. Think of the amount of money that I'm saving you. And we've seen it. I mean, I know I work with Alan on several deals uh, or in, throughout Florida, throughout the country. I mean, Alan's been uh, very helpful in uh, advising people around around the country talking about deals. And and what we see is, you know, these landlords, perhaps, uh, and I'm not vilifying landlords. They need to make their money, too. It, you know, but what you need to have is that good partnership. And we see some landlords stuck in the mud and they're going to learn by having some vacant spaces. And we've seen some spaces come vacant and they're going to sit with those spaces. A hundred percent. You have to adjust with the market. And sometimes even though you want to, you don't want to make, you don't want to take less. It's a good business decision over time, because when you have a vacant space, first of all, it's bad for the rest of the tenants. Some landlords have clauses in their lease that say that the other tenants have to make up the difference. That's great for the landlord, but a tenant doesn't want that because many of these tenants, you know, may be, you know, just making ends meet and all of a sudden now they have to pay higher expenses. So you don't want that at all. But if you keep a full, active, busy center, it looks great to prospective tenants. It looks great to the existing tenants. They're happy. You know, it, it's a much better way to keep your real estate. Yeah. I have a I have a seller who drives by his property on a weekly basis. And if he sees anything, if he sees a little bit of rust on the building from a sprinkler, he immediately repaints. If he sees any debris, he gets his guy immediately to do it because he wants to make sure that that's the nicest property on the block. Everybody knows that it is. And this way, prospective tenants will want to be with him if he gets any opening. The idea is to have a long term focus. Yeah, I mean, we're we're seeing that out there in the world, uh, you know, landlords uh, being tough on a lot, you know, and again, uh, how much money you can save people is just incredible. There's insurance things that are going on right now. There's uh, there's equipment like HVAC clauses that people have to be careful of. There is uh, profits in selling your business that has been we've seen that in. Uh, lease assignment uh, language as well, where the landlord gets the profit in the, your business sale. Well, one of the things I talk about with the training and with all of our brokers here is if a, a business owner is leasing a space, the first thing you have to do is you get a copy of that lease. 
because sometimes leases have unbelievably onerous conditions and you have to be aware of it and you have to negotiate it away. And you're 100% right. There was a lease recently where it stated that in the event that the uh, tenant wants to sell or transfer their business or you know do an assumption that the landlord gets half of the value of the business. Don't sign a lease like that. Yeah. And if you do, you know, make sure before you trigger that clause that you, you know, that that you're represented by somebody who can help you to get navigate a, away from that. But with all this going on, uh, it's still a great time to buy and still a great time to get into business. I, you know, I'm pretty bullish on the rest of the year. Like you said, I think we've seen the height of the market. It's going to uh, stabilize as you say, and I, I think there's tons of opportunity out there. This is the toughest period because this is the period where you have the biggest gap between buyers' aspirations, what they want to pay for something, and sellers' expectations, what they want to receive. Everybody has to be realistic that it's not a year ago where it was the maximum value of the, of the market. Now, certain things still are trading at very high values, but that has to do dependent upon location, that has to do with an owner operator that has to do perhaps with somebody in an exchange there are there are reasons that properties sell at high values but that doesn't mean that everything is going to sell at a high value and still if you're a buyer so you pay a little bit more i'll tell you a story about a developer that i dealt with i've done 200 million dollars of business with he was buying an apartment complex and he wanted to uh, convert it to uh, condominiums the Developer agreed to finish the units the way he wanted: crown molding, um, you know, uh, um, uh, countertops, special lighting, tile floors, all of the things that would make the units much more attractive. And we went to the guy's office, and he agreed to do it. And he brought in turkey sandwiches, and he said to the client, "I'll do it for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars." And without batting an eye, my client said, "Okay, deal." And they agreed to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Nine out of 10 investors would have um, objected and negotiated. When we left the meeting, my client said that was the most expensive turkey sandwich I ever got. Meanwhile, he made um, $20 million on the development. And most guys would have gotten caught up with the fact that, you know, the $250,000 is, is ridiculous. How can you charge me that? But he didn't. He had, he agreed. He saw the, the deal in sight. He knew what he could do. And he brought it, you know, to fruition. Yeah, uh, we see story after story after, you know, story after story. Uh, certainly uh, lots of fortunes being made in the commercial real estate business. If you do it the right way, you can make a lot of money. Again, uh, we're seeing across the country, even though Florida is, is different, we're seeing uh, people with, you know, redoing projects because now that people can work remotely there's other space needs to have be happening in the big city we see we see smaller cities getting more populated because people are moving out and perhaps being able to work remotely so there's a lot of shifting going on plus the population is still growing in the united states you know i i think it's uh there's some pretty good road ahead for everybody i think that 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 may change a little bit. I think over time, people are going to miss the human contact of being in an office, being with people. There are only so many days that you can go to Starbucks, you know, or Panera Bread. I think they're going to miss 
having that synergy and miss working with people. Now in our industry, it's very important to be together because you want to bounce ideas off people. And, you know, that's how deals are done. You know, you mention something and somebody says, oh, by the way, you know, I know of this that might work for you. We did that this morning. We did it this morning. Absolutely. So I think that's going to change a little bit. Will some people, you know, it's like walking into a, a supermarket or a shopping center today. See how many people still wear masks and the majority of people are not wearing masks. Right. But I think it's a great time to buy real estate. You just need to be careful. You need to do your homework. You need to do your due diligence. You need to see what the potential upside of the property is and don't get caught up in uh, the pricing and in the fact that you may be paying a little bit more on an interest rate because you can always refinance it. Exactly. And you need someone great in your corner. And that's Alan Kay. Alan, tell the people how they could get in touch with you. Thank you, Andy. Uh, it best way is A-K-A-Y-E at tworld.com. A-K-A-Y-E at tworld.com. Thank you for having me on, Andy. I always enjoy it. Yeah. It's always such a pleasure. We'll catch up again soon. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for Listing of the Week. Hi there. This is Jenny Abramson with Transworld Business Advisors of Beverly Hills. And I'm here today to tell you about a very exciting new opportunity in our office. Uh, this is a listing for a highly reputable non-medical home care agency. Uh, this business is also part of a franchise, which means that uh, the new owner would benefit not only from training provided by the franchisor, but also from training provided by uh, the owners during the transition. And uh, the company has enjoyed steady growth over the last 10 years. It's got stellar financial it's based in a really affluent area, uh, really affluent part of town here in LA, and it's got a reputation for providing quality, compassionate home care. It's really the perfect opportunity for someone who is interested in not only embarking on an entrepreneurial journey, but also making a difference in people's lives and being involved uh, in the local community. Uh, if you'd like to learn more, please contact me. Uh, the asking price is $2.1 million, and uh, the business is doing really well in 2022 it did about $2.8 in revenue. And I can be reached at 424-259-1348 or jabramson at tworld.com. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. Mom, Dad, I humbly suggest you save some money and shop Amazon for back to school. It's for my growth, meaning my body's growing at an alarming rate. And clothes you buy me this year will be very small very soon. Plus, the clothes I love today will be out of style tomorrow. But at least your wallet doesn't have to be my fashion victim if you shop low prices for school at Amazon. Hopefully this is helpful. Amazon. Spend less, small more. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.